Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, thank you guys, is the story that I'm talking about. So this is Corinth. Corinth is not Jewish per se, though there were Jews there. It's primarily Gentiles, primarily Greeks. They didn't really know a lot about it, the Old Testament. So I think Paul, what he did is, I wanna, he said, I want to show you something. I want to teach you one of the greatest lessons because, uh, church, you're living in a wilderness. Corinth was a really crazy place, a lot of immorality, a lot of idols. Everything was happening around them. And they had kind of become overconfident. They'd kind of become, you know, more like the culture around them than they were like what God intended. So he said, I want to tell you a story because I don't want you to make the same mistake. I want you to know there's always a way even in the wilderness. Now, at two o'clock this afternoon, there are gonna be 15 couples standing. That's why I'm in my black and white today. We're having a wedding day. And 15 couples are gonna be saying, I do, and they're gonna get married, okay? Yesterday, last night, our Hispanic service, there were eight, Danny, I get the number right? Eight, 10. There were 10. Now think about that. You say, so what, who are these couples? Well, let me, let me tell you about one of them. They'd been together for 10 years. We started teaching through 1 Corinthians and she said, David, I just realized we're not doing right. We need to be married. And so whenever we got to that part, we said, hey, text, I don't even remember what the word was. Text something to, I know what the number is, 40777. I don't know if it was Mary or marriage or wedding or whatever. She looked at her partner and said, text, it's time we get this right. And I heard that story over and over. And they're gonna stand here today in a, this beautiful ceremony to honor God in their marriage. Now. The reason I wanted, I want us to celebrate that. That's not what the world will tell you. The world will say, it's no big deal, just live together. In fact, we have tax codes that actually make it better off for some to live and not be married. I mean, live together and you get a break. You know, if you don't marry, you don't have to deal with all that prenup stuff if you've been married before. I mean, there's so many things that our culture, so what I'm saying is we live in the kind of the same place that Corinth was in a world and a culture that's like we're going upstream. And I'm so thankful there are those who say, you know what, I know it's what the world says, but I know what God says and I wanna do this. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to say. Make a choice because he always gives you a way to do the right thing. So if you've got your Bible open, and by the way, if you're on the stream, we're so glad to have you. And and I pray that God speaks. I'm always intrigued when I run into people that say, hey, I've been on the stream, I've been watching, but I wanted to show up today. In fact, a, a lady today from Tampa drove up. She said, I just wanted to see it for myself. 
I, I hope the day comes that you get to do that if you've not ever been able to. But thanks for being with us and joining us. So with the Bible open, I want us to read, first of all, the first four verses. Because these, this describes the advantage they had, the people of God. Now, let me set up the, the story. We're talking about Israel. We're talking about the children of Israel who were in bondage in Egypt. And God delivered them through a man by the name of Moses. Remember, Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. So the plagues came upon them. And then once Pharaoh's heart is hardened, he says no, and then he says yes. And then he said no, he changed his mind and he goes after him. So this is the story of when they crossed the Red Sea, got in the wilderness, and for 40 years they were in a desert place. But God took care of them. God was with them. So no matter what you're walking through, no matter what happens this year, teachers, in your classroom, God is with you. And there are things he will do as he did this day. So read with me. I'm reading verse one. I, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, let me stop there. What's the cloud? The eye cloud. Isn't that what he's talking about? They had a way to save photos when God parted the sea. So how many of you remember when the cloud was introduced? Eye cloud, I'm talking about, not that cloud. You remember? 2011. Okay, do you remember the distrust? You remember the little bit? Well, wait, where does it go? So my assistant, Jay, uh, worked for Apple before she came to my office. And so we were laughing about this text. When I, when I see the word cloud, um, I have to go biblical cloud, not technical cloud. I said, Jay, what was the funniest conversation you had with somebody trying to explain the cloud? She wrote it down for me. She was an Apple rep. You call her and she would work through whatever issue you have. Okay. <laughs> they call, they're having a problem. She said, have you ever considered saving your photos to the cloud? The customer said, which cloud? The rich, she said, uh, no, the cloud, the iCloud. The customer, ma'am, there are many clouds out there. <laughs> she said, no, iCloud is a service that allows you to save your photos and other data in a remote but secure location. It can be accessed at any time. And the customer's response, oh, remote like in the sky. Now, I don't know if you ever struggled trying to grasp it. Let me tell you, Israel didn't grasp this cloud either. This cloud was the presence of the creator himself. This was God. And you remember at night, he would be identified by a pillar of fire. And by, in the day, it was a cloud. So what he's saying here is the cloud. He was with us and he led us through the sea. That's when the Red Sea parted and all the children of Israel went through. And then the sea closed on the Egyptians to protect them. Read on with me. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Just basically mean they were immersed into the experience of Moses with God delivering them. It's a different baptism than what we experience. Danny mentioned one at the end of the month. That's going to be a great day. 
we're going to celebrate baptism, but we're not baptizing you in the name of Moses. We're baptizing you in the name of Jesus. But they experienced that with Moses. He goes on to say this, and all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. So in other words, he fed them both physically and spiritually and he provided water for them from a rock. And that song, Honey in the Rock, was written out of the fact that God provides, even if it's from a rock, even if it's manna. What is manna? That's what it is. What is it? The word manna means what is it? We don't know what it was. All we know is that somehow it showed up every morning and there would be enough for the day. And if you tried to save it and put it in the refrigerator overnight, it wouldn't last. They had no refrigerators. Just didn't know if you caught that. It was provision for the day. That's all it was. And they ate it for 40 years. Y'all know anybody in your life that eats the same meal no matter where you go in the world? They eat the same. I know somebody. I'm not going to point them out. They're in the room close to the front. And uh, they eat chicken tenders wherever they go. I don't care. And it's a grown man. That's all I'm saying. I'll leave the rest up for the mystery of it. They had provision. God took care of them. He did everything. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes the blessings of God, they don't exclude us from the temptations of the devil. As much as God was doing for them, didn't make them exempt from the pull of the world around them. So just remember that no matter how blessed you've been. In fact, it probably puts a bigger target on your back. Look what happened next. Nevertheless, you see that word, that's a, that's a switch. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Let me define most of them. Of those who left Egypt over the age of 20, you know how many of them got to go in the promised land? The land of milk and honey, the land where, that God had been preparing for them. You know how many of them made it 40 years later? Two. Only two. What happened to the rest of them? Gone. They perished. Why? Rebellion. Doesn't even want anything to do with God. Rebellion. And so the whole point of what he's saying is, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to know that, yeah, in the wilderness, it's tough, but God has got you. Just don't miss what he has waiting on you on the other side. So read on with me. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. They just ran after it. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, rose up to play. That's out of Exodus 32. It's a whole nother day to talk about that. It was crazy what happened. And the word play is for orgies. They literally got up and began to have orgies. It was just a, the wildest scene you can imagine. What are they doing? They've got a God who's taking care of them, who's providing everything. But the culture around them was so tempting. It says we must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did. You'll see that phrase a lot, as some of them did. 
and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test. Some of them did, and they were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. In other words, it was not good. They let the world around them tempt them. And they became just like the world church. That's my greatest concern for the days we're living in. That the more we sense an anti-Christ culture, and I don't mean the anti-Christ, I just mean a culture that's not necessarily in line with the teachings of Jesus. The danger is that we yield to temptation and become like it. I want to say something about living in this community, and, and I'm, I need to tell you this story. Yesterday, something went down in this community in the night before that I don't think any of us could even imagine or realize, but our officers, two of them were shot by a young man that had already murdered someone else and was actually out running from another charge of a sexual assault, a rape on a 14-year-old. And these two officers did what officers are trained to do and it could have cost them their life. Well, the end of the story is that they caught up with him and they got him. Unfortunately, he did not uh, survive that encounter, but he had made a choice pretty much. I'm going out of this world. And he did. Now, why do I tell you that? When I get to speak to officers, which we do all the time, by the way, both those officers who were shot, they have Bibles from this church with their name on it. We gave them those Bibles. I had a police, he, this is the way he put it, and it's just so graphic. He said, David, one day I was chasing this bad guy, and, and, he, and he went and he ran in the backyard and I went around the backyard and he said, I'm running him down. This guy that was telling me this was quite an athlete. He said, I'm running him down. And all of a sudden I had this thought. It was the weirdest, craziest place to have it. But I had this thought. There's not much difference between me and the guy I'm chasing. He said, when that thought went across my mind, it was God's way of saying, you've become like the world you're trying to protect. I mean, you've become like those that you're trying to apprehend, you're trying to take. And he said, that's when after he got him, he said, I tackled the guy and I got him. He said, I went and sat in my patrol car and wept like a baby and said, God, I'm so sorry. Can I just tell you that when you live in a wilderness, when you live in a world like we do and they did, it is so dangerous because we can become like this world. So Paul's saying, there's a better way. There's a way. And he says, we got to get this right. I mean, verse 11 is basically why these things are written. He says, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. I, this is just Paul's way of saying we're in the last days. We got to get this right. We're in the last days. So what's his instruction for us? What's the way of escape for us? It's one of the greatest verses you'll ever read. It's really two verses. We live out 12 a lot, but I wanna read 12 and 13. This is the promise for every one of us, no matter the temptation that we face. Verse 12, therefore, 
Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God help us to stand in a culture that is so pulling against us. Now, how do we do it? What's the principle here? Well, I think there's two things he's saying. First of all, there's something we learn about ourselves from these verses. Number one, I think I'm strong enough, but I'm not. You may think, oh, I'm strong enough. No, man, I can go to that party and it won't affect me or I can hang out with them or I can watch this or I can do that and, and it won't affect me. I'm telling you, you think you're strong, but you're not. Verse 12 says, <laughs> don't let anyone, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. You've heard it said this way, pride goes before the what? Fall. And there's a verse in the Proverbs, and I'll, I'll say it in the, from the message version. First pride, then the crash, and the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. The moment you say it could never happen to me, you're next. The moment you say, oh, I've got this. I'm strong enough to live in this world and still remain committed to Christ and walk with purity and integrity. I'm telling you, you're not that strong. All right? It teaches that about us. Second thing, I'm broken and so are you. We need help in this world. What we need to realize is there's something going on in me. When that officer said, I became more like the guy I was chasing, what he was saying is, I didn't become bad because the guy was bad. I was already bad. Guys, you're not messed up because your neighbors are messed up. You're not broken because your school's broke. You're not broken because your husband is or your wife is. You're broken because you were born in this world a sinner in need of Jesus. And it's that brokenness in every one of us that leaves us in a place we need to realize there's something not right. We need Christ. So quit blaming everybody else. We were born with a need for Jesus. And by the way, the same problem the world has, anytime you watch something going on in the world, or you read about it, or you see a post about it, just know this, the same problem that caused that is the same problem you fight every day. It's called sin, and it lives right here in us. So I'm broken, and I need help. The third thing, I know where the help is. I'm never alone, and my help is Jesus. I'm never alone and I know where my help is. My help is Jesus. So what does this teach us about a temptation? I know we need help. I know we're broken. I know this world is a broken place. So what is it I need to know about what I deal with tomorrow morning? What I deal with tonight? Every day in my life, a temptation become more like the world around me, okay? Three words. In fact, we'll put all three up. Every temptation you face is common. Every temptation you face is controlled by God. You're going, really? 
Yep. Every temptation you face can be conquered by grace. Every one of them. So just remember those words, common, controlled, and the word conquered. Common to all. Notice the way he says it. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, you're not the exception. You know why I think he wanted to say that? Because Satan makes you think you're the only one that has that problem. Satan would love for you to think you're the only one that struggles with that. Guys, we know <laughs> you get in a group or you go to a, one of our small groups or even, even in a counseling session or wherever it is that you figure this out or sitting around the dinner table, all of a sudden you hear somebody share about something they're struggling with. You're going, oh gosh, I didn't know anybody else struggled with that. Do you know why that's healthy? To show us that every temptation is common. We all struggle. Man, I've often thought, what would happen in here if we just, okay, somebody share your latest temptation. Stand up. Let's just hear it. Let's go ahead. Why don't we do that today? Danny, stand, stand and tell us you're, you don't want to be the first one. I mean, I promise you, whatever he shared, I bet there's several people going, gosh, I didn't know he struggled with that. Can I tell you? Every day, I struggle the temptation to be selfish. I see it in my driving. I do, because that car has no right to be in front of me. I don't know who they are. I don't care who they are. I should be in front. And once I get by them, now I got to deal with somebody else in front of me. Selfishness. Or I'll go by someone that I know I need to, wait a minute, I need to, I need to check on them. Oh, I ain't got time. I mean, it may look like, gosh, our pastor, he's so gracious, merciful and all that. Ride with me. Come on, go with me somewhere. <laughs> Seriously, selfishness is a beast. And that selfishness leads me to places in the way I treat my wife and the way I treat my family. It's horrible. So every day, I'm like, I know this is not just my issue but it is my issue. So I'm, I'm gonna admit, it's common. No matter what you got, I can't read your mind, but he can. You're not the only one. Second thing, they're controlled by God. You know what's cool about this verse? This verse says he's not gonna put more on you than what you can handle. So if he can, I mean, if that verse says he doesn't put more on you, then you can withstand, then guess who's in charge of the temptation? Who, guess who controls them? He does. Now that may mess your theology up because you thought the devil, all temptations came from the devil. Well, let me just say the devil's involved in all of them. Let me show you something that a lot of times people miss when they read this verse. The word temptation. In fact, let's put the verse back up. Put verse 13 back. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. You see that word tempted? See that word temptation? Beyond your ability, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. The word temptation is the same word for test. Testing. So what do you, what do you mean there, Pastor? 
I think with every temptation, there is one side of it that the enemy is trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy you. There might be in that same situation, the other side where God is trying to grow you up. In other words, it's a test. Now, did God bring the test in your life? Maybe not. We know he doesn't tempt anybody. James says that God does not tempt anyone. But I know he tests. And so maybe this one word, that's why Jesus said in, in the prayer, the model prayer, lead us not into what? Temptation. No, Jesus wouldn't lead us into testing. You know why I think he leads us into testing? You know why I think he leads us through storms? My wife sent this. It was an Instagram post she, she saw. Uh, it wasn't that. There it is. That blessed my day. I asked God, why are you taking me through troubled waters? He said, because your enemies can't swim. I have seen God work through some of the most difficult tests, but I also knew on the other side, there was an enemy wanting to use that test to destroy my faith. So can I just tell you, God knows what you can handle. You say, well, I don't think he knows what I can handle. He's get, how many of you actually, be honest. If you can't be honest here, I don't know where you're going to be honest. Have you ever thought, God, you've given me more. That temptation is harder than I can handle. I'm just telling you, God, I can't handle it. Raise your hand. Thank you for being honest. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, I know the truth. We all do. At some point in our life, we look to the heavens and say, God, it's not fair. But it is. You know why? He knows you. And what he knows is this. No, no, no. You don't have this. You, you, you're not all that to be able to withstand that test or that temptation. But he is with you. And he's all that. He's everything you need to be the man you need to be, the woman you need to be, the daughter, the teen. I mean, everything you need, he's there. And that brings me to that last word. They are conquered by grace. There is always a way out. There's always a way out. Now, I, I'm sorry, but I just got to stop and have a little talk with you. Let me sit down. It'll calm me down. I have never met with a couple where it was honest for the man to say, you know what, Gosh, I had an affair, but I had no choice. What? I've never met with somebody who was struggling with sexual sin that said, you know what, I just didn't have a choice. I just had to look at pornography. Or, you know, I didn't have a choice. I, I turned to drugs because there was no other thing I could do. Stop it. You always have a choice. Jesus said there is a way in every temptation. So the sooner we quit blaming our husband and our wife and our kids and our workplace and our church and our neighborhood, that's not the problem. The problem is we aren't looking for the way. 
The way is always there. That's what this verse promises. And can I add one more on that? And yeah, I don't need to get started on this one either. God didn't make you do it. God didn't make you the way you are. Man, how many times have we said, I've, I've, been, I've been talking to couples in a situation where he was just a jerk to his wife and he looks at her and says, well, you know that's how God made me. And I looked at him and said, nope, you're not gonna bring God into this. He didn't make you a jerk. You chose to be a jerk and you're doing a great job of it. God doesn't make you sin. You say, well, I was, I was made this and I was created this way. So was I. I was made a sinner. I mean, when I came into this world, I was already a sinner. Have you watched kids when they're one, when they're two? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. We were all sinners and we need Jesus quick. Just don't blame God. And say, so, well, I was made this way, so I want to be this. Well, God knew. I'm, I'm just angry. The reason I throw fits and the reason I hit things and say bad things, that's just how God made me. No, it isn't. I don't want to say a bad word on the platform. No, it isn't. God didn't make you that way. You were born that way because of sin. And God said there's another way to live, and he's got it ready for you. Choose the way out. Choose to do what is right. That's always there. You ever heard someone say, well, they made me mad. They didn't make you mad. Yeah, they did. They made, no, they didn't. You chose to get mad. Now they might've given you a reason. Am I right? People give us a reason. Guess what? God gives us a reason not to get mad. I like his reason better than their reason, don't you? I'd rather do what he thinks is better than what they, so it's just a game we play blaming everybody. What Paul is saying, you don't have to blame everybody. You know the truth, but there's a way. And let me show you something about that, that phrase, there's a way. If you look at this verse, there's no, uh, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. Some versions make it a way of escape. And scholar, I mean, people smarter than me make a big deal out of this. And so I went back and I opened my Greek New Testament and I'm reading it. There is an article, the, in front of way. So what's the difference? I don't know. Maybe the difference is in every temptation, there is the way. What do you mean? The way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. He's in every temptation waiting for you to follow him. How about that way? I think that's what Paul's saying. Now, he may use doors. He may use, hey, you got a friend coming to pick you up, go. I mean, guys, I mean, every once in a while, just the craziness in my life, I don't ride with a woman alone. I do, Rachel, and make sure you understand, and Hannah, <laughs> but outside of my family. And there have been moments I wanted to go not with any sexual intent. I just, that's not going, it's no big deal. And I started to get in the car and I'm like, I can't do this, but now I'm going to hurt her feelings. Now I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I can't ride with you. And she's going to look at me like, am I a pervert? What's going on? And about that time, another staff member pulls up. Hey, pastor, you want to ride with me? I need to visit with you about something. Yes, I do. Thank you. <laughs> Where did that come from? came from him. 
See, I think there are many ways he provides, but it all starts with the way. His name is Jesus. We need Jesus. And he's there for you in every one of those. He will not forsake you. He won't leave you. Listen to what Zephaniah the prophet said. He said it this way. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will what? Save. David, King David wrote this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's here this morning. And you don't have to keep living caught in what you're caught in. You don't have to keep repeating the same mistakes. So let's do something. Let's bow our heads together. I want you just to bow your heads. If you're on the stream, just, just maybe you're where you can. Just be quiet and think about your life for a moment. Is there something that you need to escape today? Is there a situation? Are you in a relationship? You know it's not where you need to be. Look for the way. Ask Jesus to help you. Are you caught in something that you want out? It's a habit. It's, it's something, it, it could maybe be an addiction. You could call it an addiction. You call it whatever you want, but you're, you're caught in something that you want to change, but you just can't change it. Jesus is there. There's a way out. Tell him. I want us all right now in our own words, just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Do you feel like you're in a wilderness and, and, and you're just wondering, man, is he going to be there? For, yes, he's going to be there for you. Tell him, Jesus, I need you this year in school. Jesus, I need you tomorrow in that meeting I've got to walk into. Jesus, I need you at work tomorrow. I've got to deal with something that I don't want to fail. He will protect you. He will sustain you. Just tell him, Jesus, I need you. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.